Thank you for joining us today. Whether you are part of the Lighthouse family, be it on-site with us weekly or tuning in online, we'd love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Ely. It's on all our social media platforms. I hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, this morning we're going to continue our series on kingdom thinking, and we're going to jump into Romans chapter 14, verse 17. You can get that ready, but let's just pray for a moment before we do. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit, which you sent through your Son, Jesus Christ, that we might have what we need for life and for godliness. I thank you, Lord, that as we open the Scripture this morning, we open our hearts, we open our ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to us as a church. Amen. 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 Romans 14, verse 17, it says this, For the kingdom of God is not in food and drink, but in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. As we continue our talk on kingdom thinking here, Paul's mandate for kingdom is rooted in the Holy Spirit. We cannot have kingdom thinking without the Holy Spirit. And in our scripture here, Paul is trying to bring into focus uh, not about rules about what we eat and what we drink, but what matters is righteousness, peace and joy through and in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness means when we conform our nature to God's holy standard. And peace, well, that implies the absence of anxiety. And joy is an overabundant, exuberant pleasure that comes through the knowledge of God's goodness. Paul's statement here in the church suggests an intentional walk towards righteousness. The context here is uh, the debate over whether we should eat meat or not eat meat. And uh, Paul's saying, listen, these things um, are not what should be our focus. This was a hot topic in the church. uh, But Paul is looking, say, guys, let's not intentionally offend one another by our diets. For the sake of church harmony, let's come together in righteousness. Let's come together in peace and joy through the Holy Spirit. But the question comes, uh, how do we maintain peace and joy at the same time live a righteous lifestyle? If we go with our culture's uh, mindset, which is sometimes do what you want as long as it makes you feel happy, how does this then line up or can this conflict with God's holy standard? I think the most important part of this verse might be in the Holy Spirit. A walk of faith with the Holy Spirit, or another way to put it, to trust as we go about our daily lives, to trust in the Holy Spirit is the only way to live out Paul's mandate. The Holy Spirit inhabits believers, and that is the key to finding our direction and how we live and how we move and how we breathe in the kingdom of God. And it's our daily lives that we're challenged by this. But let us pursue, he says to the church, he says in verse 19, let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. If my sense of peace and joy is at the expense of someone else, 
then am I living a, a righteous life? And this is it. We've got to have a direction that we're walking. And we're walking in the direction of God's kingdom by the way we think. And we have to have this aim in life. And Paul does this through his letter. Pursuing peace and pursuing the kingdom of God is the ultimate goal. If what we want to see is God's kingdom here on earth, we have to pursue that intentionally. And to intent, to, uh, in an attempt to orient, orientate the church away from disputes about uh, food and drink, but directing them to what it means to truly be a community of God's kingdom, living out our lives in harmony. And Paul says, tries to direct them that there's a deeper sense to what's going on and there's a way that we can function optimally in the world means that we live not as the world lives, not living to just please ourselves, but living to please our God and having a desire and a purpose that orientates our life towards the truth of God's kingdom. So let's stop squabbling over things that we eat and drink, but let's pursue the kingdom of God. I wonder if this is similar to Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6, where he says, don't worry about what you eat and drink, for seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. I wonder if we can, could consider the kingdom of God being the highest possible goal. Because the higher the goal, the higher the reward. And in a time of lack, you know, whatever we're lacking in life often seems to be our goal and seems to be our aim because we're focused on our lack and what can we do to repair that then that becomes our highest goal and our highest aim. And Paul's saying, come on, it's not about whether you have food or drink or not. Seek first the kingdom of God, because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I think they are the highest aims that we could have. Looking to Jesus and looking to his kingdom, because he will meet our needs as opposed to focusing on what our immediate need is at hand, we focus on the kingdom. And the kingdom here is about right living, joy and peace. And that may be a high aim, but I think the highest aim that we have, even though it may seem impossible because of our circumstances, maybe because you know we've been watching ourselves and we've been thinking, how can I have genuine peace in my life? Haven't you seen the difficulties and challenges that I'm going through? How can I possibly have joy? You don't know my circumstances and my uh, situation. But I say, let's aim, as they say, for the, for the moon and hit the top of the trees. And then get encouraged when we hit the top of the trees because we're making an incremental progress towards the highest and loftiest of Aims. And that satisfaction comes when we see we're making progress towards the goal because life is not just about the finish line. Um, it's knowing that we're going in the right direction. As you hit those top of those trees, you know, I'm heading for the moon. I'm heading higher and I'm going to get there and I'm encouraged by the progress that I've made. I want to make three quick points here about righteousness, peace and joy and I want to see how we can bring those together 
in the power of the Holy Spirit. And how is God doing this in us? How is God working in us? And sometimes we need to open our spiritual eyes and see that God is at work. God is at work in you, and he is perfecting that which concerns you. Paul says, I've not got there, but I know my God is working in me. And he's not finished with me, but he's, I'm a work in progress, and he's going to do this, and he's going to bring it to completion because I'm doing what I can to aim myself in the right direction, and I know I'm going to get there. Amen? Point number one, what is robbing us of holy living? What, uh, what are we doing? What habits do we have in our lives that are not conducive with holy living? So righteousness means living a life of divine approval. And often we're seeking other human beings' approval, or we're living our lives in order to please others. But there is a greater sense that when we live with kingdom thinking, we are living to please Christ. And if we're not living to please Christ, this can lead to compromise. And that word righteousness in the Greek, it can be uh, looked at as living justly or just living or doing justice, or to be be declared right, it means that justice has been done and you have been vindicated in the eyes of the Lord. But it also means that we live with integrity, with virtue, with purity of life, with uprightness, with correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. That can be a high and lofty goal. Jesus said, in his most famous sermon in Matthew 5, he talks, talking to his disciples and his followers, and, and he's talking about the standards of the law, which was incredibly high standard, and how the teachers and the Pharisees weren't always living up to that standard. And he's saying, listen, the law is never going away. And he says to his disciples in Matthew 5, verse 20, he says this, For I tell you, unless... Your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The teachers of the law were often called out by Christ as as hypocrites on many, many occasions. And their self-efforts that they were trying to do in order to fulfill the law, um, and then, of course, falling short, or perhaps that they were teaching people the law, but not actually living it out themselves, making them hypocrites. But Jesus said, when it comes to living righteously, when it comes to living in holiness, I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, which will help you. So when he says your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees, he's not leaving us on our own with our self-efforts in order to fulfill the law. He's actually giving us some help. He says this in John 16, um, starting at verse 8. He says, When he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Uh, uh, Prove wrong about sin because they don't believe in me, about righteousness because I go to my Father and you'll see me no longer, and about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged or condemned. See, the Spirit 
is meant to be our helper. He's meant to be our guide. And the Spirit helps us out of sin by the way of belief. That's what he says here. He says, sin because they don't believe in me. So the answer to sin is faith. It's faith in Christ. That is our answer. And the way into righteousness, he says, is Christ's advocacy with the Father. Christ is at the right hand of God interceding and pleading on our behalf. Because he goes to the Father, he then imparts to us his righteousness. Um, And Christ is obviously the ultimate judge. And then, of course, he says the judgment because Christ will take the throne and the evil one will be dethroned and condemned. And if we're being robbed of our right standing with God, I say it's time to get into faith Faith into Christ's work on the cross. Faith into, Christ, into the advocacy with the Father. And truth that his kingly rule and his kingdom and submission to Christ as king. The submission to Christ as king places us in the kingdom. Uh, Paul says it takes us out of the kingdom of darkness and transforms us into the kingdom of his dear son, into his marvelous light. If we're operating in the kingdom of darkness, it is robbing us of our righteousness. And how do we get into the kingdom of heaven? By faith. By faith, by believing in what Christ has done, how he has taken our sin, how he has given us his righteousness, and how he is dealing with the evil one ultimately and has dealt with him and will ultimately deal with him. Point number two, it, what is robbing us? Of our peace, you know. Sometimes when you're up in the middle of the night and you just you just can't seem to settle, or something inside you is there's a turmoil and it's just uh, tormenting you. But the word peace here kind of gives us the idea of security, of safety, of prosperity. This word peace was often used as a farewell greeting. Go in peace. You know, it's a, it's a goodbye, like we would say today. But it's more than that. It's go in the peace of the Messiah. It's a, a messianic blessing that the Jews would use. They would say to their friends until they saw them again. And Jesus uses this in John chapter 16. He brings them to that place of peace. And he says to them, I'm going to go but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And I've said these things to you, John 16, verse 33, so that in me you may have peace. I wonder if we're looking for that security, that safety, that prosperity in other places apart from in Christ. Of course, if our peace is just an absence of conflict, then what happens when the next time conflict comes around? What happens is our peace can get continually robbed from us if ultimately our peace is not being found in Christ. He says, I've said this to you so that in me you may have peace because in the world you will face persecution. You're going to face difficulties. He's not sugarcoating it for his disciples today uh, in this this passage. He's not saying, listen, you come to me and everything's going to be prosperity, everything's going to be security, everything's going to be lovely in the world. But you're not in the world, he tells them. 
You're in the world, but you're not of the world. In the sense of your peace cannot be robbed from you because Christ cannot be robbed from you. Because you are in him. And when we're in Christ and we know Christ and we know we can take courage in the world and the circumstances and things around us, knowing that Christ has already won the victory. And if we're feeling persecuted, we can take courage and take stand that we are in Christ and we can we can know that we are part of his kingdom and 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 life is hard today i understand that anxiety is is a huge problem in our society and i think it's one the church needs to speak up on and and the church needs to take the forefront in dealing with and helping people through things like anxiety and depression and help people to take courage or to encourage one another is to install in them to courage. And this is what Jesus is saying. Listen, I'm going, but it's going to be okay because I'm sending the Holy Spirit to, to help you and teach you and guide you. And the Holy Spirit actually reminds you of all the things that Christ has taught you. And when we are reminded that we are in Christ, it's almost like we take a position or we take a, a, a stance that says, no, I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ and I'm going to take that courage to face what the world will throw at me today. And maybe that's in small incremental steps. Maybe that's taking the position of, okay, I'm going to confront that which is causing me, maybe in a small way, something I'm, I have a phobia about. And psycho- psychologists do this. If someone has a phobia, They encourage them to face with courage, maybe in a small way, the thing that is causing them some problems. And if they do this incrementally, it doesn't make them like less afraid or less anxious, but it actually makes them stronger in which to face those anxieties. So maybe there's a small way, a small area we can say, Listen, I'm being robbed of my peace. I'm being robbed of my security and my safety in this area. And I want to just take a moment to say, listen, this is of the world. And I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world because I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. And I can take courage through Christ, the victor, Christ's victory over the evil one, over sin and death. And then I can stop what's robbing me of my peace. Our final point is what is robbing us of our joy? The word joy literally means that we have joy because of the favor of God or the grace of God. Jesus says in John 15 verse 11, he says, I have said these things to you so that your joy may be complete. My joy, that my joy may be in you, my joy, Christ's joy, and that your joy may be complete. Jesus was looking for complete joy. And this is not just a temporary state of happiness. And the context of John 15, you know it very well. He's talking about how we stay connected to the vine and how the branches intertwine with one another. You know how a vine works with grapes and sometimes there's branches that are hanging down. And he says, those branches, I'm going to clean them and I'm going to lift them. That word cleaning of the vine or pruning of the vine is actually something they did to lift the vine and they bind it together with another branch. 
And it's this sense that not only do we need to stay connected, that, that to allow that, the, the flow from the trunk to come through us. I'm not a botanist, so I don't understand all these things, but I know a disconnected branch isn't going to bear fruit. So if we are feeling like we're being robbed of our joy, and maybe it's because we're feeling disconnected, maybe because of tragedy, suffering, something, and suffering is common to us all, but it's made us feel disconnected. And you might know someone in, in life that is just feeling that isolation, an absence of that connecting. And I think it's the body of Christ, it's the kingdom thinking to say, come on, let's connect. Let's connect with one another. Let's look at ways that we can lift you up. You're not feeling the joy in Christ. Let me come alongside you. Bind us together, Lord, with cords that cannot be broken. You remember that old hymn. Just as the vine dresser would lift the vine, let's lift one another and let's share in the joy of the Lord. Let's restore those to health. And joy comes, as, as I said, it's knowing God's favors upon you, knowing that you're part of the family of God that looks out for one another, that we can connect. So what is robbing you of your joy? Are you feeling disconnected? Are you feeling unsatisfied? Where is the source of your joy? And I'm going to wrap this all up. We're like Paul did, that righteousness, right standing with God, peace and uh, that security, that safety, and that joy of being uh, are found in the Holy Spirit. And I don't think we can take the Holy Spirit out of the equation. Absolutely not. If we're seeking righteousness outside of the Holy Spirit, then what are we looking at? Self-righteousness, some sort of moral relativity that, you know, I decide what's right for me. And I'm taking the Holy Spirit out of the question. I'm right in my own eyes. Then we're maybe not right in the eyes of God. Because it's only the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit is called the Holy Spirit for a reason. Because the, it's the holiness of God that wants to dwell in us. And we, do, we get the Holy Spirit by a walk of faith. Or putting trust in the Holy Spirit. This is the only way we can live out this mandate of Paul. It's the Holy Spirit that inhabits the believers. And that's the key for us finding and orientating ourselves towards the kingdom of God. And we're challenged by this. We're challenged. Are you part of the kingdom of God? Are you walking in justice and righteousness? Both in your uh, home and your family and uh, in society. And it's this collective idea that Paul has. Not the individualistic society that we have today, but a collective idea of righteousness. It's not justice unless it's justice for everybody. It's not righteousness unless we all come into that place of righteousness. It's not the individualistic society that lives for the benefit of itself, but it's that we live justly or do justice for the sake of our community. It's not uh, peace unless we all experience peace. If my peace is at the expense of somebody else, then I'm not finding my peace in the, the Holy Spirit. The key to the kingdom of God is found in the Holy Spirit. It's not just that we find peace and joy 
for ourselves is that we as a community of believers find this together. The early church, they would share things for the benefit of all. And they're saying, listen, we, it's not peace unless we all have it. It's not joy unless we all have it. And we're all able to have it because of the Spirit of God. Spirit of God, where are we looking for our righteousness? Somewhere outside us? We're looking for validation from someone else to say, oh yeah, you're doing a great job, aren't you the wonderful? Or are we looking to the Holy Spirit for our, for our validation of who we are in Christ? Are we looking for peace in, in, in areas where we shouldn't be? Are we looking for peace in the Holy Spirit? Are we looking for joy to be uh, some external thing or some uh, momentary happiness or something to distract us long enough to not feel down about our circumstances? Or are we kingdom thinking and really looking for the Holy Spirit to come and help us in righteousness, peace, and joy? If we're not moving in those things, then we're missing out on the work of the Holy Spirit. And I know maybe you say, listen, I'm, I'm getting there, I'm trying. You know, that's good. You're orientating yourself in the right direction. And some of these things, they're not instant fix. They're not quick fix because we know there's persecutions. We know there's problems in life. We know there's suffering in life. But how we mitigate the suffering in life is by orientating ourselves towards something bigger. And I say there's nothing bigger than God's kingdom. And that could be our prayer, couldn't it? Holy Spirit, bring your kingdom here. Let us live and move and have in you our being. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives today. In Christ, we find the grace to live the way God has called us to live. His righteous standard is so high, so high, that it almost seems impossible. But with God, all things are possible to those who believe. Do you believe in Christ today? I want to close just by saying this. Do you believe in Christ as your Savior? Are you looking for your own righteousness to validate your way of life? Or are you looking to Christ? Paul says we leave behind the things, the weights of sin that would easily ensnare us and we look to Christ. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the glory and the lifter of our heads. I tell you, if you don't know Christ today, I say, come on, get to know him. Get to know him today. Get to know Christ as your savior. Get to know Christ as your king. Repent from your old lifestyle and say, Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the way I've lived and I choose to follow you. I choose to follow you. I accept you as my savior. I accept you as my king. Come into my life by your Holy Spirit. Renew me, restore me, and bring me into the place of righteousness, peace, and joy in your Holy Spirit. Amen. Kingdom thinking. Power of the Holy Spirit. We find peace and joy as the Holy Spirit refreshes us and renews us and restores us. Do you feel the power of the Holy Spirit? Wherever you're watching from, wherever you're listening from, do you feel the Holy Spirit working in your life? Do you feel the Holy Spirit connecting with you? Right now, Holy Spirit, fill us afresh and anew. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in my life, here on earth, as it is 
in heaven. Praise and glory to your name forever and ever. Amen. Amen.